everyone and welcome to the 65th edition of DF Direct Weekly after several weeks slash months of not much actually happening, which is not great for a gaming news and uh, discussion program. We're at E3 time, or rather it's Key 3 time, Summer Games Fest, Jeff Keighley, Jeff Con. It has happened, uh, the main event was last night as we filmed this. And we actually have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about and a lot of uh, non-interesting stuff we're not going to talk about. Um, but joining me, first of all, John Linneman. Hey, Rich. Uh, it was a pleasure sharing this moment with you last night as we all watched it together and experienced the raw power of, uh, what is it, the Summer Jeff Fest. There was there was some good stuff there I think we should compliment, but also, you know, it was mixed. And, of course, Alex Batalia. Yeah, I didn't catch it live. I was doing other things, but I did watch nearly every trailer this morning. There was one I actually accidentally missed, but I just caught up on that. So I'm good to go and ready to talk about the Jeff Fest of summer. <laughs> Jeff Fest. <laughs> Jeff Fest is on. Oh mm -hmm. uh, dear, okay, first discussion point. So I guess we're gonna go back to front here and talk about the uh, the kind of one last final thing uh, for Summer Games Fest, uh, which was the reveal of um, The Last of Us Part One. Uh, which is essentially a complete remake of The Last of Us. Uh, it was a game that initially appeared at the tail end of the PlayStation 3 generation, remastered for PlayStation 4, now appearing on PlayStation 5 and PC. So there is some Alex interest in this. I'm going to go to you first, John, on your impressions of this. Slightly unfortunate for Jeff that the trailer was uh, basically completely leaked a few hours before the show. But regardless... Um, I've kind of got mixed feelings on this. I'm wonder what you think. Yeah, I'm of the same. Hmm. It's an interesting thing. And yes, it is a shame for, for Jeff indeed that it got leaked the way it did, especially because Sony itself seemingly leaked it. So, uh, that's, that's extra interesting. So yeah, this is, this is one of those situations. And I guess the thing to think about is we just had the demon souls remaster, right? At the PS5 launch. And I think most people agree that it was a really good, necessary thing. I think it's fantastic. But Demon's Souls 1 was also a PS3 game, just like The Last of Us, right? So it's it's actually a similar situation, except we didn't get the remaster on PS4. Uh, so this actually kind of more mirrors like the Shadow of the Colossus situation a little bit, I'd say. Um but the thing is, though, is The Last of Us was like Naughty Dog's last PS3 game. It really pushed the technology hard. And on PS4 specifically, it still looks good, right? Like the art direction has been achieved. The image quality is very, very good. Uh, it's, a, it's a tricky one to remake because, you know, as, as most people have already determined, it doesn't look, it does look noticeable, like dramatically better in terms of technology. But just at a glance, it doesn't impress in the way that like, oh, wow, this is a huge leap, right? It really looks like an evolution of Tilo 2, as Oliver would say, uh, in terms of technology. <laughs> we've, got to, uh, we've got to explain Tilo. Tilo? Yeah, because uh, he just dropped that. In, we were sort of uh, discussing yeah. <laughs> uh, The Last of Us last, uh, last night during uh, Summer yeah. Games Fest, and he just dropped it as Tilo. <laughs> We were just exactly, like, we were just talking about it, and he's just like, yeah, Tilo 2. I was like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> Tilo? <laughs> Well, I love it. Yeah. So from it now is. on, it's, it's Tilu part one and Tilu part two. I'll do that. I love that. Uh, yeah. So that that's a thing now. Um, so, but the thing though that makes this tricky, and when they compared it themselves, and when most people have compared it, almost everybody is using the cutscenes 
And this is actually what I take issue with only in the sense that it's important to remember that the cutscenes in the last of us, the original release on PS3 and PS4 are video clips. They're pre-rendered, right? And the fidelity and quality is noticeably better than what you get on, uh, within the real time graphics, right? It is a big step up from that. So the few shots that have actually compared in game to in game show a much more dramatic difference in terms of like materials, quality and lighting, especially like with the, the clicker, uh, which, you know, you can see all of its, uh, normal mapped goodness on the PS3 of that era versus what they're doing with the new fleshy kind of material system that they added for the last of us part two or Tilu two, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so in that sense, I do think it'll be a noticeable upgrade more than people think based on the cutscene comparisons. And also I'd imagine the cutscenes will be real time as they were in Tilu two and uh, uncharted four. Um, but beyond the visuals, I do think, so I'm not super jazzed about it like i'm not sure it was super necessary but since it is happening i am at least very interested to see what they do with the gameplay because i do think the core mechanics were greatly improved in the second game versus the original uh they're far more tactical in terms of movement options and just there was less like the original game has you waiting behind things a lot like you just go stand behind a, a chest high wall duck down you're watching your meters to, to check for noise from clickers and such and it's just a lot of that right but being able to to crawl through things through the grass and like basically add in all these movement options makes it a lot more versatile and fun to play through the level design was wider and more interesting in the second game uh and it does seem like they are making changes to the level design here so there is actually potential that this could be really interesting from a gameplay perspective and more different from the original than say the demon souls remake was which was fundamentally the same absolutely yeah that's really exciting actually because the ai in particular um i remember the first trailers for the last of us thinking the ai was on another level and it it wasn't in the actual final game but it was massively improved in tlu 2 massively. Um, massively so you know if they can port back all of those enhancements they made uh, for the sequel into the first game and improve the gameplay. I agree, John, that the concept of um, producing comparison shots against a pre-rendered video, I guess it's a two-edged sword, right? On the one hand, it's good if your real-time graphics in this generation are better than the pre-renders from the one before last. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, it's it's you're right, it's not a complete like-for-like -like comparison, really, of, of how the game is actually going to look for the most part. Yeah, curious stuff. Alex, curious about your uh, take on this. Do you think it is like basically the TLU2 engine? <laughs> um, but yeah, because um, we've got Oliver taking a look at this one in much more depth because Sony actually leaked a high quality asset, uh, not the YouTube trash that we usually have to work with. It was stupidly high quality. It was great. Um, I, I love that when Sony gives us like super high uncompressed footage, it always looks so good. And they've done it for TLO TLU two in the past um but for this game yeah it, it definitely looked like a continuation of the technology uh in environmental lighting i don't want to talk about the character tech yet because i think i don't know how they did it for this it's hard to say like they have those original performances so back in the uncharted two and three days there was a lot more hand crafting of the animations for facial 
uh, animations in Naughty Dog games. Um, and then at a point in time, they switched to using a lot more reference footage. And I honestly don't recall off the top of my head exactly when that happened, but like things ever since Uncharted uh, 4 especially is where it's like really about like actually, it's like more or less performance capture at this point. Uh, so I don't want to talk about the facial tech, but in terms of environmental technology, it definitely looked like all the, you know, like, uh, you know, like, like the reliance on like indirect lighting that we saw in uh, The Last of Us Part 2 is, it was also a big part of the design of The Last of Us Part 1, but it was very much so limited by the tech of uh, the day and whatever the PS3 could render. And it's so now we see that here. Yeah, it, it was for sure for the time, like I still think the capsule shadow system was a pretty smart way to do things back then. Um, uh, and, you know, it had its certain look, and it certainly looks the way now uh, that, that I, I think we're going to wait to see the gameplay differences. It's going to be the most important thing, like John said. But as a part of this, you know, you look at that trailer, it did look 1440p60 to my eye in those scenes where it was 60 FPS. Um, I didn't count it, but it's just like, I just kind of know what TLU 2 looks like these days. And then the second thing is the end, you get to the end of the trailer, it says, uh, coming out for PS5 and eventually PC at some point, but there's no PS4 there, I noticed. And I am curious why, if we know that TLU 2 runs already on PS4, and they didn't show anything that looked dramatically different from TLU 2. <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious if there's something in the trailer that we were not noticing or something that they have yet to show off that explains its technological exclusivity to PlayStation 5. I suspect it's less technological exclusivity and more just like a production thing where, you know, it's easier to not have to ship a last-gen version. And I think part of this exercise is for Naughty Dog to get more up to speed with the PS5 hardware, which they originally said was the purpose behind doing the original The Last of Us remastered on PS4, right? So I suspect that's more the reason there. Uh, because you're right, I don't see anything here that probably, at least based on this trailer, that doesn't, it all seems possible on a base PlayStation 4, basically. So the Uncharted remaster, that was a native uh, PS5 app, and it was 1440p60 and 2160p30, right? It sure was. Okay, so that kind of all sort of makes sense to me now. Because um, it, uh, it, it would explain that they do have a, you know, it's not going to be a back compact plus effort. They do actually have a PlayStation 5 framework. It's just that the, the vendor targets are similar to the last generation. Naughty Dog is pushing a lot of very impressive technologies in their games, but the one area where they haven't really seemed to have progressed is in, in how they handle image quality. There's no real like image reconstruction here. They're still using kind of their same similar TAA, I think, from like the Uncharted 4 generation. I mean, I'm sure it's been improved, but uh, I'm just surprised that they've just stuck with like, We're just going to do like this native non-dynamic resolution scaled uh, rendering. Well, I, I am thinking of your Uncharted review, Tom, uh, John. Uh, where, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I am thinking of your Uncharted review where you didn't actually see that much difference between the 1440p and 2160p modes. No, that's true. Simply like, just because of the nature of the graphics. Yeah, the way they did their visuals and their TAA and everything. Like, yes, there's a difference, but it's, it wasn't like dramatic. You'd take the say. 60 yeah uh and even Always. then i yeah. i didn't mind the drop to 1080p for the 120 mode because you know 120 hertz is is fantastic the only problem there is they didn't scale the motion blur shutter speed properly with the higher frame rates 
so it basically meant that the 120 mode appeared to have basically no motion blur <laughs> which is pretty weird in a cinematic shooter like yeah, that it was a shame. um yeah i mean i guess i'm just curious uh because you know they have all this time to reinvent uh certain aspects of the original game hopefully like john said the gameplay but i, I am curious if some playstation 5 exclusive things do actually end up getting in there because you know even though the, the world is going to rely on a lot of like pre-baked lighting based upon their tlo TLU2 uh, a way of doing things, I still think they could probably do reflections better or something like that. They're not, they don't show up too often in a world like this one, but there's nothing wrong with them being great when they show up. So that would be something I would like to see actually if they could. An exploration of ray tracing would be really interesting to see. I mean, did we see any actual SSR usage in that? I can't remember. If... I think the beginning had it. Uh, if yeah. I recall, of oh, the trailer. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, they did show some some reflective yeah. stuff, but there's not that much. But yeah, I do no. I do agree that because it's a fixed time of day, their current GI solution is actually really effective. And I think uh, Unch or sorry, TLU two was probably one of the best examples of pre-calculated GI last generation, maybe on consoles. Uh, it was very very convincing. Yeah, um, and they also talked about a, a multiplayer. The Last of Us title. Um, there was um, talk that it's essentially a uh, expansion of the factions game into a full experience. They are saying that it's a, a major project for them. They didn't have anything to show apart from some concept art, which so I guess we'll, we'll table discussion on that one until there's actually something more substantial to discuss. Uh, but let's move on to the next part of the show that caught our attention. So I think there was a sort of underlying theme that the age of the sci-fi horror shooter is back mm, yes. uh, i mean there were like four games yes uh, there uh, were. Which, which were showing at jeffcon which looked um varying levels of uh of quality but the, you know i think it was really impressive stuff overall uh, first of all there was the callisto protocol fort solace um routine uh, which is like a really old game, which we thought was dead, is coming back, Xbox exclusive. And uh, the final one, Aliens Dark Descent, which was basically a CG trailer. I'm going to go to you, John, first. Um, what, do you, what do you make of all of this? Well, I, for one, welcome our new space horror overlords. Uh, it's great to have it back. It's been a while. Um, and this didn't even include the Dead Space remake, which is still underway. Um, so that is yet another entry here. Obviously, I think the highlight for me, of course, is the Callisto Protocol, which we've talked about recently. It's looking phenomenal. Uh, the gameplay section they showed, I thought looked fantastic. The performance was somewhat wobbly. Uh, but, uh, we also learned now that it is an Unreal Engine 5 game, which is something we were uncertain of. And what's more curious about this is that it is not only Unreal Engine 5, but it seems to be cross-gen. Um, which makes me wonder then, because if they were utilizing things such as Nanite and Lumen, we don't know exactly what they're doing just yet. Uh, I don't see, I, I can't imagine them being usable on last in machines, which would suggest that they have to have like a fallback solution or effectively two iterations of the game. Um, I, I mean, th that is actually the thing that's most shocking to me is that th that's how they're approaching this. And, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but that seems like a big challenge. 
Well, when there was the um, reveal of Unreal Engine 5, there were presentations uh, to press, and I was in on one of those presentations, and they did say that, you know, you can actually still produce um, multi-platform projects that, that span the generations all the way down to mobile. So there is some provision within Unreal Engine to do that. But in terms of actual workflow, it must be very, very different. That's the problem, right? Because when you're lighting these maps with Lumen, you're doing it very differently than if you're baking it out, right? Uh, the process is not the same. The results are not the same. They'd essentially have to have, would have to have two branches unless Epic has some way to do this and that I'm not aware of where they can roll it back down. But it's just difficult to imagine them pulling this off on an original Xbox One. One thing I might think is that if this game's been in development for a while, it exists before Lumen exists. Um, in which case, they maybe already have environments that have like, oh, we lined a cube map here. Oh, we're relying on SSR um, and things like that. And then in the editor, you know, you can change your, uh, based upon your export, you can change what handles reflections uh, and, what, and what your lighting is, uh, how it's being done. And in which case you can actually always tick back to not using Lumen and not using Lumen reflections, which, but in the end, this is a good, that's like a, this development time you have to go through and check everything. So I would be curious to see what they're doing when, when it does eventually comes out, if it does come out on those last gen machines at all. Um, and just visually, I, I was really happy with the trailer uh, that they showed off the gameplay trailer. John said it didn't run too well, but these things don't always have to run well. It's fine. No, um, no, exactly. We, yeah, we, yeah. we wouldn't be passing judgment on performance yet, obviously. No, no, it's, no. It's but far it, too early for that. But I, I'm but very the, happy with it. But the fact that it was running not too great implies that probably there's something heavy that going on there under the hood, uh, which is good. We like that. Um, I think they really nailed a lot of the animations and the way the, the, the gameplay trailer ended. I don't know. Did you catch the end of it? Like with the horribly disgusting death for the main character, that was extremely death. Uh, that was extremely uh, dead space. When yeah. we were on the call, I was commenting how those spinning turbines reminded me of Crisis Three, specifically with the oh, motion yes, blur yeah, applied. I loved it, and then of course he stepped into one and got <laughs> and actually got turned into paste. Yeah, uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, I know that there's a lot of sameness uh, if you're watching this live and you're like, oh, another space horror game. Honestly, there aren't that many of them always, and it's always fine to have them. I think it's just, once again, coincidence that they happened, <laughs> that they all happen to want to talk about their new game now. Uh, there's a lot of other games here. The combat actually was interesting to me because I know Dead Space focused very much on removing limbs, right? Which is interesting. But I never found that it was quite as satisfying in terms of the raw impact of your weapon against each enemy. And uh, this looks a little more traditional in a sense. And I feel like the combat, the combat loop could be uh, notably improved. We'll see. I, I like how it looks in this demo. So we actually had two videos of Callisto Protocol. First of all, we had a highly stylized trailer. Then we had some actual gameplay. I mean, the first trailer, uh, I don't think we should even show it in the direct because it, it was just, I just looked at it and thought, we can't do a YouTube video on this. We just lose all the ad revenue straight <laughs> off. It was, it was yeah. horrific. It was, yeah. and yeah, then, like the, the last 55 seconds are just straight gore the entire yeah. time. It's amazing. And then, <laughs> and then we actually got a second presentation, which was actual gameplay. And it was like, okay, I think we can work with this after all. Um, but that, um, criticism also kind of applies to Alien Dark Descent, which was all CG trailer, and then we got maybe two seconds of some kind of overhead 
It looked more like a tactical shooter, possibly. I don't know. John, uh, let's quickly talk about this because there's not much to talk about, but it was in that quartet of sci-fi horror games. Yeah, that's right. And I guess, first, I think we should compliment games like Callisto Protocol and also, as we'll say, Modern Warfare 2 for actually having gameplay sequences because this is something we've been asking for in these shows. And I do think it made a difference doing trailer with gameplay sequence. That's not what we really got with the Aliens game. Uh, where it was primarily just like sort of a CGI sequence with little hints of what the game seems to be, which is an isometric overhead game of some sort. Uh, it's tough to say more about it at this current state. I mean, you know, the Aliens IP is always rich for goodness. Uh, I mean, I you know, my favorite one of recent time is actually Alien Isolation. I think, Alex, you were also into that. That's really, that's solid. But, um, I mean, it's hard. What, what did you gather from this? Because there's really not that much to say yet, right? What I immediately thought is that, uh, who is that? That's a, that's a Ridley Scott film. No, the second one's James Cameron, since it's Aliens. Um, you know, it, I was just thinking that the aesthetic of it is so amazing. Like, when they, like, this has nothing to do with the technical aspects. <laughs> but, you know, like, when they show the soldier being interviewed as the, you know, the framing device, and then it switches to him with, like, the helmet on. I was like, man, that Aliens movie is so good looking. And that's what I thought. So I'm, I'm excited for it in the aspect of I think that the Alien and Aliens aesthetic is, it's, it's basically the entire inspiration behind the retro, uh, the retro technical aesthetic that we see in a lot of things these days. I think that's mostly where it comes from. Uh, so seeing that again, but once again, I have no idea what it what it's going to be like in terms of a game because we have our we have our alien isolations here, and then we have our aliens colonial marines or whatever it's called right here. You know, you've got varying degrees of success of uh, turning this IP into some sort of really good game. Uh, I just hope it's more of the former than the latter in, in this aspect. There was also Fort Solace, starring Troy Baker and Roger Clark. Um, <laughs> Unreal Engine 5, again, apparently. Um, was there much to actually dissect here? Was it another trailer? Was it a gameplay reveal? Didn't they, sh they showed some first-person footage, but it looked a little bit more stylized, I think. That's the mm -hmm. one, right? Yeah, it was, no, well, it was kind of stylized. It's, it had very realistic character rendering. Um, I noticed that. Uh, I would imagine that's exactly, you know, uh, the UE5 aspect coming in there pretty heavily. Uh, but once again, it was a little bit light on understanding what the game was about. So, like, I don't know, are you just kind of, like, traversing around space corridors there? Does it take place partially outside in, like, a vacuum or uh, areas of, like, uh, harsh environment? It, w it wasn't exactly clear about what the main gameplay loop is, so it's a little bit hard to... Uh, it just looked fine. It just looked good, like UE5 stuff. I was thinking of something else and looking at it here. Yeah, no, it does. This is the one that had that had that really nice uh, rover shot at the beginning. Yeah, that was amazing. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That yeah, was, was good really looking. Nice. Yeah, there's, this does look visually great as well. So, um, Just wish I knew what, more what it's about. Yeah, it's hard to say much more. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what about routine? Uh, Alex, thoughts? Uh, okay, so I think this is cool because this is one of the first games that I... Was it? Is this originally a UE4 game, or is it actually something else originally? Uh, I, I actually want to lost. In it's the been lost of time. It's been a long time. <laughs> I want to say no. that it was a title that when it came out, um, that I was actually really happy with the visual quality they showed off for it back then. 
And they were already showing off a lot of things that they once again re-showed off in this trailer, like the the like CTV weapon thing that they have uh, the character holds in their hand. That's also in the original trailer there. Um, and it was just kind of like amped up, like even more so, like the the use of motion blur. I really loved the CTV like low fidelity thing when it's brought up, and it has like a different frame rate than the main screen, and you could really tell that they had a, an amazing attention to detail there. Also with the uh, the robot uh, enemy type uh, that they showed off. The PVM they had a CRT monitor on its side, right at the top of the escalator, which was lovingly rendered, which looked fantastic. Um, and then it's, it seemed heavy on chromatic aberration, but in this case, that I I think it works well in the same way that it worked in Alien Isolation. Like it fits certain vibes, and this has that vibe. Lo-fi aesthetic was really well well achieved here. Um, uh, but it's been in the apparently it's been in the oven or rebooted so for so long. I'm curious actually because usually reboot projects. Um, they may come out again and you might be wowed by their aesthetics, but then you realize that the game is kind of a bit of like glue and tape. And, you know, it's like it's like you can see that there was a lot of time that was put into reworking it at some point. Um, I hope it doesn't actually have that. And I hope it's actually like a really nice experience. It does look decidedly different, though, like the tech and everything behind it. Like it doesn't look like it's sharing any of those old assets either. So I mean, that, that I think the last trailer was from 2016. It's, it's been it's been some years. Uh, I'm just surprised that it exists at all. Um, I, I'm excited for it. Um, I just really am not sure because um, like there's always like a fine balance. I feel like in games like this and Alien Isolation rode the line as well, usually to great effect. Where how much of it is actually about being able to engage in combat, and how much of it is about um, having enemies that cannot be. Uh, taken care of or subdued and you have to avoid combat and there's usually a fine line there about what's fun and what isn't fun so for example a lot of people in alien isolation um i had no problem with it but like the alien in that game cannot actually be killed like a lot of the other enemies uh you had to use a very different tactic there and some for some people they found it very trial and error or very just frustrating i enjoyed that um, you know, some people don't like the Mr. X gameplay from the Resident Evil 2 remake. Well, I enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm curious which one of these directions it's going to go in, where if it's more combat orientated or if it is actually a lot of avoiding combat. I think you need a nice, healthy mix. Like what made Alien work for me so well was that, yes, you could not kill the alien, but you could deal with the working Joes. And those things are actually terrifying. And like having the mix of those things, especially because the working Joes almost could act like an alarm essentially because when they become alert others become alert it's just a very tense situation uh and so yeah if, but if it's all avoidance i'm not sure i'd feel great about that either although there is stuff like uh soma which is one of my favorite sci-fi games from last gen that is you know knowing who it comes from it is all avoidance but it works <laughs> Okay, interesting discussion there about those sci-fi horror titles. Uh, but before we move on to the next topic, we've got to talk about Zoa. I just really fancy an energy drink at the moment, and The Rock Ooh. delivered the goods, right? That's Zoa. I was just imagining all the people that paid money to see that show in IMAX theaters around the country. And, you know, you get this full screen rock up in your face talking Zoa for about 10 minutes. Well, I thought, what I loved about that is that the rock looked like looked like a weapon in a first person shooter. <laughs> it, 
It's like, you know, you've got your BFG, your machine gun, you can bring out the rock. Is it? Rock, the rock. <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh, that man. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, but let's it's move like a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to uh, uh, an actual gameplay reveal, which was looking really impressive. Modern Warfare 2, Infinity Ward is back. Uh, the team that developed the Modern Warfare reboot uh, delivered a extended gameplay trailer, actual gameplay, and it was looking really impressive. Um, Activision PR followed up with some uh, details on the technology, a new physically based materials pipeline, uh, allowing for state-of-the-art photogrammetry. I thought they were doing that in Modern Warfare 1. Maybe they've upped it. A new hybrid tile-based streaming system, PBR decal uh, rendering system, world volumetric lighting, 4K HDR, as well as a new uh, GPU geometry pipeline. All of this in service of a massive cinematic campaign. They're also talking about a new advanced AI system. Um, I thought the trailer looks really impressive. There were some performance drops, but I don't have any um, doubts that uh, Infinity Ward will sort that by launch based on their previous uh, E3 showings. Um, game was looking really, really strong, um, but I guess there was not much in the way of anything that we hadn't seen before from a modern warfare game john no uh before we talk about the game though look, we got to settle this what do you guys think decals or decals oh uh, decal. in. This de i go with decal decals tilu <laughs> it's all the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh <laughs> visually, visually modern warfare 2 does seem to be presenting the excellence you expect from infinity ward those guys their tech team is phenomenal uh and this it did look very very nice um i will say of course the thing about these is it, it is very admittedly formulaic at this point and we were talking last night so once again there's the sequence where you have your 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 buddies you're running across the deck of the ship you see a door in front of you the door is closed you can't open the door of course on your own i mean that's been a call of duty staple since call of duty one which actually has a tutorial prompt saying don't open doors you can't do it uh, but I was thinking what I would really like to see is like messing with this formula in so much as like, okay, you're running with your dudes, you let them open the door, but what if you were able to open the door and just go ahead into a situation that's dangerous without them? And then they have a way of having the, uh, your allies react to it. Right. So you go through the door, you're getting shut up and then they all like kind of have to behave differently based on what you did. And I feel like there's there's potential for injecting a little bit more player control into these scripted sequences. Not uh, easier said than done, obviously. You know, that's that's a big, big ask. But it's just, I would really like to see some more uh, headroom made in terms of expanding the con concept of these campaigns. Because fundamentally, I like what they do with them. They're very beautiful. Uh, the action does look pretty fun. And I have to admit, the ship environment was reasonably wide, right? So it it doesn't wasn't just running down a tunnel, but it is still very clearly based on okay. Here's a scene that happens. You follow exactly what the scene is going to do, and then you do the next scene, and it just you know plays out like that, which is not how a lot of classic shooters or even now more modern shooters function. Like we've kind of moved away from that, and they have not moved with it. Uh, so that's my only criticism, kind of thing that I was thinking about in terms of the game design itself. But of course. You know the technology there you could definitely see it's a nice evolution from i would say every call of duty 
I mean, Vanguard, I think, looked really nice on its own. Vanguard had some really good streaming systems. Some of the later levels were quite open. And um, yeah, so I think there is a lot of uh, Vanguard stuff that's been evolved still further, possibly in this one. Um, it's quite interesting, though, the next gen it is quite ironic that opening a door is actually a next gen feature because the reason it's closed is so it can stream in the new stuff in the background on a last gen hard drive. <laughs> So yeah, door opening is you know when when we can actually open the doors for ourselves, it will be next gen. <laughs> what if they do Splinter Cell style even like replaying that recently, and it's like you can click on a door and then you can choose to open it in degrees. Right? Yeah, that's fun stuff, man. <laughs> Splinter Cell is so cool. Uh, I would like to say so. I'm of John's uh, opinion here that uh, you know I like what I see in terms of a visual thing. Usually, and I also think they have a they have a very specific mood. Like I I did actually fall laugh when they the do the one dude opens the door ahead of you. He's like to your right hand side. He's a he's a helmet grunt, so you don't care about him. He opens the door. He gets immediately shot. The character next to him says "man down" and then tosses a grenade where he right just immediately was. So like I I don't know like they just they don't care about their teammates in this game apparently. Well, I'm reading grenades. about the AI here, Alex. The game also features a new advanced AI system. Enemies and friendlies alike across campaign and special ops act tactically using combat and cover maneuvering techniques that would be second nature to a tier one operator. So you know, ch chucking grenades. That your fallen teammates. After your friends. It's, it's tier one <laughs> operator stuff. Expect the unexpected. Yeah, I did like I did laugh pretty hard when that happened. Uh, but it was great. It, it sets a mood, obviously, for what these kind of campaigns are. That's what they're about. Um uh technically though, um it did it was actually pretty hard to see the uh, the evolutions there on the tech that I saw in Modern Warfare 2019. And one of the things that I really liked about uh, Modern Warfare 2019 was the embracing of um at that point in time hardware ray tracing i thought it actually really cool uh um ray trace shadow system and you know in like this trailer here there was you know like really obvious ssr uh really obvious shadow maps so i would be curious in the two years or how many years has it been now three years <laughs> jesus christ uh three years plus almost uh since modern warfare 2019 if they've been iterating on whatever they however they want to embrace ray tracing I want to see if maybe they they haven't just shown it off in the trailer here yet or or, or maybe if that's something that they can't bring out to the engine right now it's, it's interesting 2019 had it for pc only uh right and then uh the cold war game had it on the next gen consoles and it was just shadows it was shadows and it was just shadows on console but on pc they also had ray traced ambient occlusion ray traced ambient occlusion but then yes. vanguard did that have any ray tracing features? No, it did not. But I think it's because it's so confusing for us and they, they're two separate engines. Even though they look so stupidly similar in a lot of ways, like you just look at the, the like, I don't know if it's just because of the way the gun moves on screen, but if you were to tell me like which one is which, I would have a hard time I mean, there's three you. different engines, right? <laughs> if you consider Treyarch as well. Well, yeah, the, wait, wait, was, was Vanguard wasn't... Vanguard, Vanguard was uh, IW8, which is the modern warfare engine. I think I think the reason that the reason there's no RT on Vanguard, I think it's fairly obvious. It's uh, it was a quite a, um, a troubled development, so I don't think they had the luxury of of doing that. But they did do some really really nice stuff in there, just not RT related. Um, 
I guess we need to see more. We just had like a, a, a vertical slice, as it were, of gameplay. Um, but let's move on to the next uh, game. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. Street Fighter VI Guile was revealed. Alex, do you still not like the oh. look of the game? <laughs> I, I still don't like a lot of the rendering aspects. I did enjoy that. I like, I like, like the way we got, got a preemptive groan from John there. <laughs> well, okay, so I want to praise two things. I do like the in-between moments between the gameplay. Like, they show, like, little funny cinematic like snippets, which, which are they're, they're funny looking. And uh, I also like when some sort of special move is done. They pull up, uh, like, a comic filter on some things, on some aspects of the screen. I think that looks pretty good. But the one thing that I unfortunately noticed, and not just because I'm nitpicking, is because, like, the, the rendering is so high fidelity, but, like, when, when Gal runs the comb through his hair, his hair just stays still. And it, it becomes, and it looks actually weirdly in that moment, I'm like reminded of like, so we're like in between comic book looking and we're in between like hyper-realism, but like, like the uncanny valley is there. Um, so I don't know, but it gameplay wise, it looks like straight Street Fighter. It looks great. You got me, Alex. You're right about the hair. I noticed that too. And I was like, oh, no, that could be better. So that, that's one area where there is work to be done. But... Uh, <laughs> I, in terms of what they showed, I, I thought Guile's new design was awesome. I love his like jean suit, I guess, was kind of zipped up as onesie there. And then the actual stage itself, which is the, the aircraft carrier, but like the bright, vibrant blue skies and all the detail in the background, it felt like very like colorful 90s kind of arcade in a way that I thought was really appealing, uh, which looked awesome. I will say though that the, uh, the motion blur on his comb was also nice when he tossed the cone up into the air. Like before your world was shattered by the lack of hair uh, collision, <laughs> you know, that, that initial flip, that was pretty slick. World uh, shattering, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it, well, I guess we also got confirmation it's coming to Xbox, right? Which we didn't know. It's right. Xbox and Steam as well. Not, yeah, not right. Xbox One, apparently. That's right, it just said that PS4. See, that that's actually pretty interesting and kind of funny because we've always talking to developers nobody seems to like working on that original 2013 xbox and it's often nicknamed the boat anchor uh so you know being able to toss that aside and let's just focus on the good xbox hardware instead uh but that that also means that xbox one x is left out which obviously could handle it quite well, I'm sure. That's, that was kind of weird. Um, I don't really have too much to add uh, from last week. I think it was looking really nice. Got to see more um, and play it, crucially. I think that's really the what makes and breaks a Street Fighter game, right? How it plays. Um, but certainly on the graphics side, hair apart, Alex. <laughs> this, the, out, the outrage of the hair cannot... Cattle, he couldn't part his hair. That was the issue. It wasn't a hair no, apart. I know. Was, they, he couldn't they, part his hair. The, the way they showed it at the end and zoomed in the camera. Oh, you're right. It's not, it's not good. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the rest of JeffCon. Um, I think we should probably sum up some of the stuff that we saw um, because that, I don't think it's worthy of, of breakout topics, but there was a lot of really interesting uh, snippets and interesting stuff. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of Flashback 2, though, John. Um yeah, flashback two, flashback squared. I I don't know. It was a surprise for me. The trailer they showed was not good in the sense that they showed the gameplay on a rendered cube that was spinning in space. So it was very difficult to even understand yeah. what you're looking at. Uh, I feel I'm I'm worried about it playing like the flashback one remake, which I thought was bad. 
but the fact that they're actually stepping up to number two, I'll be very interested to see it. And uh, we'll have to we'll have to get Audi to weigh in on this sometime in the future. Maybe cover the game even because he is the largest uh, fan of Flashback that I know. Okay, fair enough. And uh, Midnight Fight Express that was another one that caught your eye, wasn't it? Yes. Did you see that one, Alex? Because I thought it was that uh, isometric overhead, like sort of action game, which looked really fast and fluid and just awesome. Gosh, uh, I can't, I can't at recall, a glance, it reminded me of something like Sifu, but it clearly plays very differently from that. It's not that at all. But I really liked what they were showing there. I mean, again, there's not too much to say yet, but but it's it's pretty sick looking, right? Yeah, it does look actually pretty cool. Um, uh, once again, though, I. I don't have i only have like flashes of it in my mind from the video so it was from the slow part of the show let's just say okay yeah that's true i mean uh jeff keely did lay out uh expectation management ahead of the show by saying that it's going to be primarily focused on announced games uh and then he went on in his pre-announcement to basically list everything except the last of us that i actually found interesting (laughs) but there was a kind of massive lull in the middle where it was kind of like if those games are you fine but um yeah it wasn't particularly exciting but what was exciting john the turtles remake it's not a remake yeah so it's a new game right yeah of course yes i i i've been waiting for this i've played a demo of it it looks phenomenal it was on my high on my list of uh exciting games uh it's old school tmnt brawler it's coming out next week it's coming out next week that was a bit of a I, I gotta co- I, I gotta do something on it now because yeah I freaking love those games and this looks I, I know it plays great it plays great based on the demo they get the brawler mechanics exactly right uh, I believe T Lopes is doing the music on it which you know he he very good musician did Sonic Mania soundtrack uh, so yeah I, I'm super super excited to check that out okay that sounds fantastic yeah we'll definitely be taking a look at that and um that's kind of uh, our highlights uh, from summer games fest just to say that jeff announced that next year uh, summer games fest is going to be an in-person event and uh, e3 is coming back so we are looking at e3 versus key three <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see how all of that pans out both of those i guess would be you know sort of b2b business events you can't be in two places at once, right? So this, how this is all going to shake out, I have no idea. They've got to set them in the same place. Like the, if they split them up, then it's just going to, neither one's going to take off. So it's, we'll see. <laughs> um, there was a trailer that emerged last night uh, in the wake of Summer Games Fest that we've got to talk about. Plucky Squire. That <laughs> looked absolutely phenomenal. Like, you know, a lot better than most of the stuff that was in Jeff's main presentation, if we're, if we're being honest about it. It was a phenomenal uh, trailer that basically starts out where you think it's a 2D game, stylized uh, artwork uh, with some nice, you know, basically taking modern materials work into the 2D realm. But then the game changer, midway through, it's kind of like a hybrid two. I can't really describe it. Words cannot describe. You've just got to see what it's doing here. It's, it just looks amazing, right, Alex? Yeah, I was getting, um, there, there was, wasn't there a Zelda game that switched between 2D and 3D? Oh, uh, yeah, the uh, 3DS, uh, A Link Between Worlds. Yes, and that also, like, Fez vibes, um, but obviously just uh, not even that, because that, you know, that's like a puzzler. This seemed very, very even different than that. I was just astounded, even before it switched, I was, like, thinking, have we ever seen a, ever, yeah, even before it switched the, the perspective, I thought, like, 
Oh, that is like, I've never seen anyone like make like the papery look like this before. Honestly, like usually like when you see games doing like the comic-y papery look, it actually isn't like done with the aspect of like light shining on the paper at all. It's usually just paper 2D stuff. And I thought that just looked itself really unique. I hadn't ever seen that before. And then it's when it switched view, I was like, whoa, okay, this is actually going to be a pretty baller game. <laughs> uh, I, that's that was my immediate reaction to it. I am uh, curious, though, exactly how they play into one another, the 2D into the 3D perspective, because we saw the jump, I think, twice in the trailer, or the switch was once, maybe. Yeah, so like they showed him jump out of a portal from the book and into that, and then they showed that shooter section in the coffee mug. Uh, so it looks like there's probably a way to transition between the 3D and 2D. A, a, a game that actually does this already, and maybe not to this degree in terms of real-world sort of materials, but a Super Mario Odyssey on Switch has those sections where you run into like a wall or into a pipe, and then it switches to the old 8-bit style pixel art for the enemies and structures, and you kind of like it walk around the 3D structure, but in its as a 2D game, and then pop back out. And I think they use pipes to do that, so... But it was pretty that was cool but this looks more ambitious in that you're literally interacting with like real world objects and like kind of moving in and out of the 2d space and just visually the the art direction and the fluidity of everything looked phenomenal but i think the thing that was most um kind of confusing or interesting to me is at the end they reveal the platforms and it was next gen only but also switch oh yeah <laughs> and I'm like, uh yeah <laughs> have we seen that before yet like the switch to next gen only like I, I, port I, I, yeah, it's gonna I be interesting know. i don't i can't recall off the top of my head that was, that uh, certainly it's kind of poses funny. a lot of questions doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> when for, for example when it was zooming into the book and like the first what 10 seconds of the trailer or so like when it's moving towards the book i was thinking like this is some really exquisite rendering for what is just going to be like some sort of plucky transformer uh tran uh, uh uh, platformer game and then it turned out that's actually what the game looks like uh i honestly for some of the visual aspects here i can see how they could bring them to switch um but you know just like in terms of like resolution and communicating that feel of that paper look i'd be really curious to see how like that holds up on the switch at all because it's pretty great the thing about any of this stuff with scaling is from what i understand scaling something up is a lot easier than scaling it down, right? So I would assume that this game has been targeting that class of hardware from the beginning. Rather, Whereas if this was like built specifically and everything was arted up in a way that it's like, okay, it's only coming to next gen, and then you announce a Switch version, that seems like that would be a lot more difficult to pull off. So I'd imagine they factored this into it from the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised if this was even maybe a last gen game internally, originally. And then at some point they just decided to drop them. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, that's a lot of extra work, right? Because that, that, that effectively becomes, if you do last gen, it's four more versions to worry about. Which, you know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, we quickly got to rattle through a few more uh, news stories that have emerged. Uh, next one, Halo Infinite's campaign co-op. Uh, it's getting a public test in July. I'm not quite sure when it's actually going to be uh, incorporated into the final product. John, you had something to say about this. Like, I mean, co-op is crucial to, to Halo. I've been waiting for this to drop for months because playing through Halo with my son is one of my favorite things that we've done uh, with games together. It's, it's really a great time. 
and I was really crushed when this didn't have co-op initially. So I'm really happy that it's here now because I think due to the way the game is designed, it, it could actually be a ton of fun in co-op, you know, hop in a warthog, go coyoteling around the terrain like that. That's uh, that, there, there's a lot of good times potential in this. So I would definitely be keeping an eye on for that. And hopefully we can get in and actually test it in July. But I, what I'm unaware of though, does it, did they mention does it do split screen co-op? That is the question. I think there was a leak showing a campaign. I mean, maybe it was a fake. I don't know, but it, it should do, but who knows? I mean, to be fair, because it's game pass and I have every modern Xbox here and many displays, I could still do it. Uh, you know, that way. Traditional land. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I would be curious to know if it supports uh, offline land is one thing I'd be curious to uh, know. I, I if it, it, if it also, it won't. they've been, they've been surprisingly mm. okay with it with the master chief collection. You, I know, I know though. I know they've been, they've been at least fine there. I'm, I'm also curious about because, you know, you can like, let's just take the initial island area you start off on. You can go to like save the Marines. You can go to the sky conveyor belt thing, whatever. Or you can go, you know, like to destroy like the plant. Like, is there going to be a limitation Far Cry style about how far you can be from each other? I bet there uh, will be, almost certainly, especially if they do split screen. Yeah, yeah right. Maybe split screen and they have to. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I signed up for it. I'm pretty sure John did. Maybe we'll have some content there. Uh, let's move on to our final discussion point, which kind of segues seamlessly into our supporter Q&A section. Uh, this week, there was the reveal of the Apple M2 silicon that's going to be in the new wave of their lower-end laptops, the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro 13. Uh, they're also uh, talking about enhancements to the Metal API, which seems to be bringing it broadly into line, possibly, with uh, DX12 Ultimate and Vulkan. Um, but something that caught the eye of our supporters was MetalFX upscaling. Now, obviously, we do a lot of content on upscaling. It is part of the future of, uh, of gaming in order to you know, increase quality by not having to paint as many pixels. A couple of questions here. First one from Over Bridges at WWDC. This week, Apple announced the third version of their Metal Graphics API. Uh, the headlining feature being MetalFX upscaling with the first games to use it being Resident Evil Village and No Man's Skies. What are your thoughts on this? Something the DF crew will be interested in looking, looking into. Uh, another question from Tortoise. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Apple's MetalFX upscaling and the new M2 SoC from their presentation? It looks to be a similar, simpler Gen 1 spatial upscaler with TAA. Does DF have any plans to cover the M2 chip, especially with the Apple Silicon versions of Resi Village and No Man's Sky? I did look at the presentation for this, Alex. It looked like they were two separate things, the spatial upscaler and the TAA. And um, it basically seems to be on a features level, at least bringing it more into line with um, AMD FSR as opposed to DLSS. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, they didn't They didn't drop any hints that it had like a, a machine learning component like XCSS or DLSS. That, I think they would have they would have broadcast that really loud if they did, because you know AI is a, AI is a buzzword. Yeah, it's a buzzword. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that I think they would have said that, and based upon what the the wording and everything that was shown and said, uh, it does seem like you can choose one or the other, or maybe you could combine them. Like there's nothing preventing a game from uh, temporally upscaling to let's say 1800p and then spatially upscaling to uh, 4K. So it seems like that could be a possibility here. 
In terms of coverage, I don't want to cover Resident Evil Village with this because it would we would only have access to compare it to FSR 1.0, which is honestly st stupidly boring to look at. And then also their in-game um, checkerboarding equivalent. But with No Man's Sky, we have the ability to uh, look at it versus another upscaler uh, or reconstruction technique, a real reconstruction technique, and that's DLSS, which has been in the game for quite some time now. Um, the, the, the issue, though, is probably uh, sourcing uh, hardware for that on my end. I, I know Rich has the ability to, he has an M1 chip. Well, I have the M1 Pro, and Oliver, who probably would have to take point on this if we were to do it, has the M1 Max. So it is, it, we can cover it, uh, but it probably wouldn't be Alex covering it, we, although it would be under Alex's guidance, because I think with the God of War and um, the... Uh, the previous FSR 2.0 content uh, for Deathloop, I think you've put together a really impressive battery of tests that really does do put these upscalers through their paces. So I think it, I think possibly we should look at it. I think the main issue I still have with um, Mac specifically is that the, the machines aren't built for gaming as such, and um, they are very very expensive. You get value from them for non-gaming uh, tasks. Uh, could it? I, don't, I just don't see the addressable market um, being big enough to support anything other than ports. I don't know. I, but if these are native Apple Silicon ports, then I am definitely interested in taking taking a look at it. It could be interesting to look at for these ports. Um, it could be less than the GPU stuff, but I think maybe CPU performance would be interesting to look at uh, because that's what makes the M1 Silicon actually most interesting to me is the, its departure from x86. Apple literally said, screw you, Intel, uh, and they went their own route, which is interesting. So that would be the interesting aspect to look at from my perspective, less so than met uh, metal effects. Metal effects. The, met the metal effects stuff, too. I mean, I see the main reason they would want to look into this is just because all of these laptops ship with very high resolution screens, right? Because they're focused on the retina terminology. So they have like, you know, I think the 13 inches of 2560 by 1600 screen which for 13 inches, that's super dense. But for a small laptop, it's a lot of pixels to render. So trying to make it look as good as possible on a high-res screen, uh, it actually should be pretty convincing, I'd imagine. Okay, let's move on to some more supporter questions. This one from Jerry Flowers III. Can you see PlayStation making their own PC client? They wouldn't have to share 30% of sales, and I'd like the ability to earn trophies on PC. The dream would be having cross-buy or at least cross-save. Is it odd that I imagine Rich saying this as I type it? Uh, imagine what you like. <laughs> knock, knock, knock yourself out. Uh, Alex, would you like to see a PlayStation PC client? No! <laughs> like, there's so many reasons. Um, one, I feel like they should be able to hook in uh, trophies into Steam and cross-communication them. I don't feel like this is a, a need-their-own-client thing. I feel like there's a way to do this within Steam, if you wish. Um, the second thing is, uh, like, that would mean a second place to have a library, a second place to uh, be price-gouged, in a way, because Sony definitely loves selling games really expensively uh, without the competition of other games on the store. What else would they sell uh, on there besides their own games? Yeah, well, and that's why? the thing. Like, you, you, you go there, and you only get the most expensive version of the game. And it doesn't mean they would also launch other places. Like, we saw what happened with 
EA and Origin, and now they're back because they realized that they're not going to make as much money if they do that. Uh, I think that's antithetical to the way Sony's doing this right now. Like, they really want to actually get a really good mindshare on PC, and being really good mindshare on PC means avoiding exclusivity as much as possible and launching on Steam. Uh, next question from Jesus Gonzalez. How much in contact are the Microsoft and Sony console divisions since last gen they're so in sync regarding pricing, release timing, features, and specifically hardware configurations? The only possible explanation is that they established some sort of walls of engagement since they're both in a prisoner's dilemma kind of situation where it's in their best interest not to take huge risks trying to take over the market. The market is large enough for both to be uh, greatly profitable for, for all. I'll take this one quickly. Uh, they don't talk to each other. They can't. Um, it would be a massive breach of trust from AMD for that to happen. The reason that they're so similar is that they're basically working with the same IP, uh, the same partner, very similar budgets, and they have access to you know the same core technologies. So they are producing essentially the same boxes there are obviously variations. Um, Microsoft went for a larger um, SOC. Sony went for their custom um, SSD solution and controller. Um, but I, you know, in an ideal world, I'd like to see one box and you can install PlayStation and Xbox on it. And you can choose which one you want, or you can have both. Um, because we have the situation where Bizarrely, we are getting both console manufacturers producing very, very similar boxes. Um, but, you know, that's just my personal point of view. Uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, greetings, DF. Richard, my memory may be a little bit fussy, but I seem to recall you mentioning you still have a working launch day PS3 during one of the Sony E3 conference videos. If that is indeed the case, what is your secret? Uh, this question is from Uncle Mo, by the way. I've purchased two back compat models over the years, and they both wound up getting the dreaded yellow light of death, despite taking measures to maintain them, regularly cleaning out, keeping them in dust-free environments. Uh, I'm just wondering if there's any special, anything special you've done with yours to keep it in a pristine state after all these years, or have the horror stories of high failure rates in back compat PlayStation 3s been over-exaggerated and I've simply had bad luck? Uh, P.S. Do you ever use your Chad Warden machine to go back and dabble with the gem that is Rogue Warrior? To tackle the last one first, no. Um, I haven't done anything special with my PlayStation 3, um, but however, um, it is actually the second PlayStation 3 I had because the first one failed um, a couple of months after I bought it. That in no way imbues it with magical properties. I just think that, you know, luck of the draw, right? Not every machine can fail, but I suspect most of them would. Uh, John, you've got you've got my other launch PlayStation Three, which is the test unit, which is also still holding up. But we kind of want to take preventative measures to stop it. This problem has been solved uh, some years ago, and the salute. So the whole yellow light of death thing, people have found you know reballing, reflowing, all that fixes it temporarily, but that's not actually the issue. Apparently, the real issue is these NEC token capacitors uh, that fail. They're responsible for current filtration and conversion uh, in order to stabilize and give necessary current to the needed components. When those fail, that doesn't happen and you're getting the yellow light of death. And people found that, I think those, they're saying here it was used up until the 65 nanometer cell RSX era. So everything before that used these old capacitors, right? 
And those are the things that are failing and essentially it seems like replacing them. And there does seem to be replacements here basically solves the problem. So that seems to be the issues. You got to find a compatible capacitor kit, uh, change those out, which is not easy to do by the way. So you want to get it serviced by somebody that knows what they're doing. And then you should be good. Bob's your uncle, as they say. I mean, those launch PlayStation 3s, the NTSC models in, in particular are worthwhile because they have full PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 1 hardware back compat, um, which means you get to play PlayStation 2 over HDMI and PS1, in fact. That's kind of like why, why we want them. They're really nice machines. That original one was super over-engineered. It's packed with features. It's, it's really nicely made. And it does seem to be quite fixable now. So if you have an old yellow light of death one and you want to keep it alive, it looks like there is a solution. Final question from uh, QUK. Hello, DF. I really enjoyed the DF Retro Extra old E3 presentation watch alongs. Is there any chance we are getting more of them? If so, I think the 3DS announcement, Connect announcement, and the January, not E3, uh, Switch presentation are great candidates. I'll go to you again with this since you're Mr. DF Retro, John. I think that would be a swell idea. What do you gentlemen think? We should do one of those. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, for some of these, since I have less connection to them, uh, I would really love if Audi tagged along uh, because he has a greater connection to some of this hardware than I do, like a 3DS. I've never even owned a 3DS. For, have you so... ever played a 3DS? Like ever? Yes, I have. Okay, yeah, you... I have. Yeah, sure. What did you think of the 3D yeah. effect? Uh, it was interesting at the time. I actually had a hard time wrapping my head around how it was being done until I had to read up on it because I just didn't get it. I just didn't understand uh, how they were doing physically. But then when I read online that some games ran better if you were to turn the, the toggle down, I thought like, oh, would I really want to use it uh, in that aspect? Most are the same. but Most are the same? Okay. So, well, in that case, uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, but it's like... It's also dead tech. Like, I don't think we've seen it ever since in anything. It's really a shame because the new 3DS, when they added the eye tracking feature, is really great because it keeps it very stable even when you move your hands around. And it just, it's a, it's a neat looking thing. Crosstalk's not too bad on there. I feel like it's generally, uh, it's a cool thing to see. But yeah, it's, it's over. It's dead. Nobody cares anymore. Definitely want to do more of these uh, E3 lookbacks. Um... We never really got around to doing, did we? We didn't do the E3 for the last gen console reveals, uh, you know, the kind of follow up to, because they did the reveals in like January, February, didn't they? I think it was a bit, a bit later for Xbox and then straight into E3 where Sony delivered their, their, uh, <laughs> their killer blow on old games or rather physical copy games. So there's a lot of material there. Connect announcement might be quite amusing. I mean, there's some good stories there from the sort of behind the scenes were, presentations. Were you there? Did you do the poncho thing? I was there, yes. Um, and I arrived literally the same day. So I was absolutely exhausted after like a, a trip from, you know, it was, it was a massive trip, yes. But the poncho thing, I was there. And the Gamescom Project Natal, I was in that presentation as well, where you could play Burnout with your hands and feet. Uh, and it was rubbish. Can you play Tilu with Milu? <laughs> Milo? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Milo. There's certainly, certainly some good candidates, but possibly they're a bit too uh, recent for DF Retro. But... Yeah, we have to see what we do. But yeah, 
there's some, there's some good candidates for sure okay but that's it that's the end of the show please do like subscribe share if you enjoyed the content ring the bell for those notionally instant uh, notifications and our df supports program get involved as always uh, this show isn't what it is without you and uh, just a last appeal for me personally uh tilu Tlau, just that straight the last of us i'm intrigued by all of this what do you call it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is, yes, let us know. It's, it's an Alan yeah. Partridge style hot topic. Uh, but I'm interested. T Lewis will forever dominate my destiny. Uh, but, that's, but that's all from us for now. Thanks for watching and see you next week.